pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope. And there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Rheumatoid arthritis affects over 2 million people and is one of the most costly diseases to our nation's healthcare system. It's more prevalent in women, often strikes the joints of the hands and feet, and causes crippling pain. Amy Leung, president and CEO of Healthy Motivation, was just 18 years old when she was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and became wheelchair-bound within six years. She takes us from barely being able to put a fork in her mouth to running her own consulting firm today. Dr. Vibika Strand, consultant, rheumatologist, and adjunct clinical professor at Stanford University, then provides cutting-edge information on new diagnostic tests and groundbreaking therapies for this disease. Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Neurogesics, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Amy Leung is president and CEO of Healthy Motivation, a health education and advocacy consulting firm in Santa Barbara, California, and Paris, France. She was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis at age 18 and became wheelchair-bound within six years. After 16 surgeries and 12 joint replacements, she developed America's largest network of young adult arthritis education programs and has become a respected medical and motivational speaker, author, and educator. Amy, welcome to Aches and Gains. Lovely to be here, Dr. Christo. Take us back to when you were first diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis at age 18, What kind of symptoms were you experiencing? Well, I come from a family, first of all, no history of any kind of arthritis whatsoever, not even rheumatoid arthritis. So at the age of 18, I started to have pain in my sternum area or my heart area. And probably like anybody else, when you have that kind of pain, you think it's your heart or heart attack. And that's exactly what I thought. I could not take a breath. I was having a hard time taking deep breath. I could not bend over very well. I certainly had a hard time getting out of bed. And, and how were you diagnosed? My, my uncle uh, is an internal medicine doctor and rheumatologist, and, and he recognized it. But it was as a result of several other tests, blood tests, that he said, you know, this looks like uh, rheumatoid arthritis. And I asked him, how do you know? And he said, well, rheumatoid arthritis is more symmetrical. So if it's, gonna, if it's affecting, let's say, my left elbow, Chances are, more than not, that it's also going to affect my right elbow, as opposed to osteoarthritis. Inflammation, heat, swelling, obviously pain associated with that, 
all very critical factors in that as well. And with respect to other parts of your body, did the rheumatoid arthritis spread to other joints? It started out in my sternum. It then went to my knees, my hand, my toes. And to this day, I can say my hips are part of my original equipment. <laughs> Amy, after your symptoms began, when did you seek medical attention? I say it began like a small fire and then it became a wildfire throughout joints in my body. I could close my eyes and put my hand, let's say, over my elbow joint and it'd be very, very hot. And then I would just move it up my arm to the middle of my arm where there was not a joint where two, the ends of two bones meet and it'd be very cool. And then I realized, oh my gosh, it's my joints that are really the, the, the problem. And that's where I was having, of course, pain. So it began to spread. Uh, that's when I sought medical care. At that time, what medicines did you take? 26 aspirin a day in those days. And I thought, well, my headache is not that bad, but why would I be taking so much aspirin? And as it turned out, aspirin is a great anti-inflammatory, but you have to take it in what you doctors would say, therapeutic doses. And of course, unfortunately, I had all kinds of side effects like the ringing in the ears, the tinnitus. Some of my patients who are Asian are quite stoic about their pain and don't feel comfortable opening up. What was that experience like for you? When it came to talking about negativity or pain or things that were not putting on a good face, which is very typical Asian, our our family clammed up. I clammed up. Um, When my mother would say, are you in pain? I would say yes. (laughs) One word answer, yes. And, and that was not enough. It was not enough for her to deal with, and it certainly wasn't enough for me to deal with. It hurts is not good enough. And the more descriptive I could get was much more helpful to my doctor. Amy, how are you able to break through so that you could better communicate with your family about your pain? We actually made it fun after a while. Uh, I would say instead of, you know, mom would say in her 44th time, how are you today? And I'd say, well, I'm six and a half. Half? wait a minute, you know, only whole numbers are listed on the, on the refrigerator. And she and I would laugh about it. So I had to say things like, Mom, I'm okay right here. And you know what? I'll call you, I'll yell or whatever when I need you. So you really helped your family make a positive change. Amy, how has rheumatoid arthritis affected your life? Actually, because of the 16 surgeries and 12 joint replacements, I now travel close to 200,000 miles a year. And let me tell you, if you're crippled, it'd be really difficult to do that. I'm now completely standing up. I walk on stage when I give my speeches, and I've got little short, small heels on and a short skirt. There are days when I travel too much, I do too much. You know, I've got to lay low for a couple of hours or maybe part of the next day. You know, for every day that we spend in bed, our muscle uh, strength reduces. So there's this constant balance that I am doing for myself to keep me staying active, and that's very, very important. Yes, it's good for our audience to know that physical activity and rheumatoid arthritis is essential in protecting joints. When we come back, we'll talk to Amy about her 12 joint replacements. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, a leading pharmaceutical company focused in specialty-driven markets, including pain management, and dedicated to improving and protecting quality of life for people around the world. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Welcome back. Amy, you had a remarkable number of joint replacements. I mean, mean 12. Were they helpful in reducing your pain and improving your function? That becomes a last resort function. For me, I had to have that last resort function because I was in a wheelchair. 
and I couldn't lift a fork to my face to eat. I couldn't walk 10 feet. And my goal was to walk 10 feet actually further. And I do that now. I walk through airports all over the country and all over the world. That's fantastic. I mean, you've made an amazing recovery from those days. Will you tell us about some of the drug treatments that you've used to treat rheumatoid arthritis? Well, I've been through all, all of them. I did not like what the pain medication was doing to me in my head, the opioids. And I did not like what it was doing. I felt like someone had stuffed cotton in my head to the point where I couldn't hear anymore. And I didn't like the fact that I could not think well. What else did you try? I was on steroids um, for so long, years and years and years, that when I finally decided to get me off of them, that was the goal, right? Setting up the goal with my doctor. And he said, you realize it's probably going to take twice as long that you've been on them to get off of them. And I said, I don't care, whatever it takes. You obviously have had a great deal of experience as both a patient and an advocate to the extent that you've written your own book. It's the most minimal you need to know to deal with arthritis. And sometimes, you know, our families especially don't want to hear all the long things involved and all the classes of drugs and what they stand for and what they mean. They want that short course. Well, that's what the Complete Idiot's Guide to Arthritis is, is the short course. Your book sounds like a good resource. Amy, did you try any other drugs or therapies? I did get to the point where I was willing to try anything and everything, even unusual Chinese herbal concoctions that look like, you know, moldy bark <laughs> stewed in water. I mean, that, that's what I've been exposed to, and that was the level of my frustration. So absolutely that frustration. Have you tried any of those agents that have halted the progression of the disease and have revolutionized the treatment of rheumatoid arthritis? It was very, very interesting. Some were and some were not. So what might work for Sue did not work for me. Uh, What might work for Amy might not work for Sam. Talk to us about some of the non-drug therapies that you found successful, things like uh, acupuncture, herbals, or even prayer. I have tried a lot of them. I still do a lot of them. Things like acupuncture, massage, um, different kinds of homeotherapy things, kind of things. Things that have, you know, they cut my hair off, part of my hair off, and they analyzed it to see what my chemical nature was, to see if I was deficient in certain areas. I've tried all those things. Uh, Massage is a very, very big part of my monthly um, treatments, acupuncture as well. Amy, you mentioned earlier that you were confined to a wheelchair. Why did that happen? Well, I couldn't function. I couldn't walk. I was in such pain. I have literally lowered my head to the table to eat like a puppy dog when no one else was around except my family because they knew that, you know, I wanted a sense of control over what I ate. It's inspiring to hear that you've overcome near-complete disability to have an active, fulfilling life. In fact, you were able to carry the torch in the Centennial Olympic Games. I mean, it seems like you really have very few limitations. I cannot tell you the number of times I've been um, locked behind a door in a hotel room. And the hotel does not have the levered doors, you know, the, uh, uh, but they have the round-handled doors. Well, I've got joint placements in my hands, okay, but I don't have the strength. I don't have any of that strength. So I've ca- been caught behind doors. I've been caught in a shower trying to turn off the water where I couldn't. <laughs> but I've learned to let the other part of me compensate. I'm a great, hey, sir, can you, especially when I get into an airplane, um, I can't raise above my head, even with joint replacements, Paul. And I certainly cannot lift five pounds above my head, let alone, you know, a computer case or whatever it is I'm carrying. So I will look around for the cutest looking guy, and I'll say, sir, 
would you mind helping me? And what man is not going to say no to a woman? That's often very true. Amy, before we close, how does anybody with rheumatoid arthritis motivate themselves to gain control of their life and move beyond the painful limitations of the disease? We humans need a little reward. We need that little pat on the back that says, at a girl, at a boy, when you've done something that you know will be good for you in the long run. But in the short run, it's painful and you don't want to do it. So rewarding yourself is very important. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. It was a pleasure and thank you very, very much. And I hope this has been helpful to all of your wonderful listeners. Up next, Dr. Vibhika Strand provides cutting edge information on new diagnostic tests and innovative therapies for this disease. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Endo Pharmaceuticals, a U.S.-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostics, drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, oncology, and endocrinology. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Welcome back. Dr. Vivica Strand leads a clinical research consulting practice in Portola, California. She's been a clinical rheumatologist for 26 years and serves as an adjunct clinical professor of immunology and rheumatology at Stanford University. She's on the forefront of developing research studies that will lead to approval of new medicines for treating autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis. Dr. Strand, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. Vivica, what's the difference between a healthy joint and one that's affected by rheumatoid arthritis? I think the major difference is that that joint is inflamed and it has what we call synovitis. So that means that the synovium, which actually lines the the joint and um, ensures that there's adequate lubrication, etc., and the cartilage is healthily fed, that is affected. It's in, it's become infiltrated with inflammatory cells that then compromise the function of the joint. Do we have an understanding of what causes this condition? We have some good ideas about um, some of the reasons that, that people get rheumatoid arthritis, but we actually don't know the, the true cause. And the interesting thing is we, we don't know why it's perpetuated. You would almost think that after, shall we say, the first event or something, there could be some kind of a healing process and it would go away. But in fact, it's a persistent disease that I really haven't seen any any true remissions and I certainly have never seen any cures. That's unfortunate. Is this a disease of older adults or young people? Well, actually, it's a disease of both, um, but the onset of rheumatoid arthritis is often in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. So it's actually younger adults. It's about three times as many women as men. So it's not really a disease of aging like we think of osteoarthritis. But just on the other side of the coin, osteoarthritis has an inflammatory component as well. You mentioned that it occurs more frequently in women. What is your understanding of why it's more prevalent in women? No, we don't know that one either. Um, <laughs> we have some ideas, but we actually don't have any good, good, solid evidence. We know how to treat it better, far better, but we still really haven't gotten down to the source of the cause. Well, I guess the science simply isn't there yet. When we come back, we'll talk to Dr. Strand about why pregnant women have remission of symptoms. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Neurogesics, a biopharmaceutical company focused on developing and commercializing novel pain management therapies. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Welcome back. 
Vivica, why is it that pregnant women have a remission of their symptoms? We've been trying to figure that one out for a long time, too. It's going to sound like rheumatologists don't know what they're doing, but we actually work very hard at these these things. There's certainly a lot of um, hypotheses and some data to say that just as the, the fetus is protected from the mother immunologically, that this may have something to do with how rheumatoid arthritis uh, is if not going into remission during pregnancy, is certainly down-modulated. Dr. Strand, which joints are usually affected? Most of the time it starts in the small joints of the feet and the small joints of the hands. Um, so the knuckles and the first, uh, the first joint of the fingers, which we call the um, PIP joints, proximal interphalangeal joints, very commonly involves the wrist and often will in- involve the joint of the wrist that's on the side of the little finger. Then it will progress, and it's almost always symmetrical from the very beginning, and it will involve most of the joints of the upper extremities. It, it involves the neck, um, so shoulders and elbows. It spares the spine, but it gets the hips, the knees, the ankles, the feet, the toes. Even though it doesn't affect the spine, that's still a large portion of the body. Vivica, how painful is rheumatoid arthritis along the spectrum of painful conditions, especially arthritic conditions? It's, it's very painful, um, but it can, it can sort of come and go in the sense you can have good days and bad days. Um, I'd say that it's not as painful as gout, which we consider to be the most painful arthritis, um, which is characterized by flares. Um, rheumatoid arthritis also gives you fatigue. So the joints that are affected can be painful and you can feel badly and feel like you kind of have a flu with with a lot of tiredness. But as we control the disease, most of the the problems tend to be only in the affected joints and a lot of patients have very few joints affected nowadays. When I was first in practice, um, it was 20 joints, 30 joints. Now we're talking about two or three. Wow, that's Um, a lot better. And we try to make we try to get it down to none. It's wonderful to hear that advances in drug treatments have reduced the number of joints affected by rheumatoid arthritis. And in fact, talk to us about some of these disease modifying agents or DMARDs that actually halt the progression of the disease. The first DMARD that almost everybody uses is methotrexate, and we've been using it for thirty years. There's another DMARD that's oral, and that's called Areva or lisinamide. And oftentimes it's used either instead of methotrexate or with methotrexate. Sometimes people will use uh, sulfasalazine, but it's in general not thought to be as effective. And there's some use of Plaquenil, but it is not disease-modifying. Once you've had the maximal effect from methotrexate and or Areva or both of them together, we often think then about the biologic agents that have revolutionized rheumatology and the first thing we think of are TNF inhibitors. The TNF inhibitors have all been shown to be very dramatic DMARDs, as it were. Vivica, what are the names of the TNF or tumor necrosis factor inhibitors? Embril was the first. Remicade was the second. And then we go from there to Humira, and then we have Simsia, and we have um, Symponi. So there are five of them. And basically, they look very similar to each other. It's really hard to distinguish between them except for one factor, and that is that some patients respond to one and some respond to another, or some may have a side effect to one that they won't have to another. And we don't know why there's this individual response, but we know that that's definitely true. So 
if you have a problem with one, you may still be able to take another. Are the tumor necrosis factor inhibitors more effective pain relievers than the disease-modifying agents like methotrexate or Oreva? Very much so. Um, People actually even notice within several days to weeks of starting one of these agents that they feel a great deal better. Unfortunately, though, there's a variable disease course and such that people can still have day-to-day flares where they're going to feel bad for a day or two. But oftentimes, um, these agents offer a lot of pain relief and make you feel a lot less fatigued. Yes, and some patients who have those day-to-day flares can use things like anti-inflammatory medications or even tramadol to help treat them. Vivica, are there non-drug therapies that are useful for rheumatoid arthritis pain? There certainly are non-drug therapies that are effective. I don't think any of them have been shown to stop the the bone damage um, or to clearly stop the progression. Certain diets make a huge difference. Um, Some have found that there are various types of natural, naturopathic therapies, Ayurvedic therapies that help others that, that will tell you that yoga and so on and so forth can be extremely helpful. One can take some many bits of rest during the day and so on and so forth and alternate uh, physical activities. All those things make a huge difference. Okay, how important is physical activity or exercise in treating the disease? Absolutely essential. But the uh, idea around that is to also learn what joint protection really means, to know what's, you know, how to use a joint that's affected so that you don't further damage it. So it's both physical therapists, occupational therapists are often the ones that can help you with various techniques. And also um, there's lots of little nifty aids that can help, you know, building up the size of the pen that you use and so on and so forth. And OXO that makes all those wonderful kitchen um, instruments started doing it so that uh, people with rheumatoid arthritis and other arthritis could cook more safely and with less pain. That's great to know. Dr. Strand, before we close, what's on the horizon for the treatment of rheumatoid arthritis? A new agent that's called a JAK inhibitor, which is actually an oral but behaves very much like a biologic agent. So it's effective very quickly within several weeks. And the nice thing is it has a short half-life so that it's a pill that you would be taking twice a day. And yet if you have a problem because it has a short half-life, we can stop it and presumably the adverse effect would go away. So this is going to be one of maybe four or five therapies that are coming along like this. So in other words, oral therapies that are going to behave as if they're biologics. We don't know whether they're going to be cheaper, but they certainly have the ability to be at least as safe, at least as effective, and perhaps, shall we say, more convenient. That's encouraging to hear. Dr. Strand, thank you very much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. You're welcome. Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Neurogesics, and Boston Scientific. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. This is from Olivia in Irvine, California. I just ran a 10-mile marathon, and the bottom of my foot is killing me. Could this be plantar fasciitis? How is it treated? Well, Olivia, 
plantar fasciitis is inflammation of the fascia, which is connective tissue, of the bottom of the foot. It extends from the heel to the base of the toes. It's more associated with obesity, middle age, and things like a tight Achilles tendon, although long-distance runners are at risk due to repetitive stress placed on the fascia. The pain is usually worse in the morning or after a period of rest and is felt around the heel pad. The condition usually resolves with conservative treatments. Stretching exercises are helpful, and anti-inflammatory medicines by mouth or steroid injections are used with varying degrees of success. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Eric Vore and Dr. Paul Christo. Ty Ford is the audio engineer, and Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.